This is dedicated, a show where people share about what they are dedicated to. It could be a career or a hobby. They will tell you why they are so into it, or how they become so good at it. I'm your host Lulu, and making these conversations happen is what I am dedicated to. You can also tell me what you are dedicated to. When Charles Shores first learned a museum would be built for him, he wasn't really up for it. Thankfully, he was convinced it would be a huge treat for his fans to see his original drawings up close, and it truly is. At Charles M. Shores Museum and Research Center, located in Santa Rosa, California, one could either spend the whole day reading the Peanuts comic strips. Or stop by the cafe table where Shores has been seated for four decades, eating his go-to tuna salad sandwich while conceiving the strip of the day. On the 100th anniversary of Shores' birth, Lulu talks to Benjamin Clark, the curator at Charles M. Shores Museum. Like Shores, Benjamin is a Midwesterner who's also got a great sense of art and a great sense of humor. In this episode, Benjamin shares how the museum celebrates the centennial, what the team has discovered by serendipity, and why Charlie Brown or other characters from the Peanuts gang is a little bit like everyone of us. Hey everyone! I'm sure you've read Peanuts before, and I'm talking about this long-running comic strip. If you have not, at least you've seen Snoopy on people's backpacks and lunchboxes. So today we have a guest who's probably one of the most knowledgeable Peanuts fans, and his name is Benjamin Clark, and he's the curator of the Charles M. Shores Museum and Research Center. Charles Shores is a man who created Peanuts and drew every single strip himself. So, welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we will be calling Charles Shores Sparky for the rest of our conversation. That's his nickname, and I know Benjamin, you're more used to calling him that way, right? Yes, yes,、um, yes. <laughs> he he said he had no memory of ever being called Charles, even by his own parents. So,、ah. um, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, my friends told me there is this amazing Snoopy Museum in Santa Rosa, which is a California city in Sonoma County, and you know where that is if you're a lover of wines. So I looked that up and I found this museum. Was there for a reason, because Santa Rosa is actually the place where Sparky lived and worked for almost four decades until his death. And I'm also based in Northern California, so I was like, "Whoa, I, I didn't know I live this close to the father of Snoopy." So I went to the museum immediately, and it was such a great exhibition. And I think I walk away with. Deeper knowledge and appreciation of not only the penis itself, but also its 
genius creator. So I reached out to the team at the museum and got in touch with Benjamin. And I just can't wait to learn more about stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, well, that's great. That's, that's good that you, you've come. Uh, thank you for visiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I also mentioned earlier to you that I wore a Snoopy sweater when I was five for my very first studio photo shoot. So I brought the picture uh, today. Uh, unfortunately, um, the Snoopy's face is kind of like um, blocked by these flowers, but you can see S and N, that is the first two letters of Snoopy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, it's very cute. Yeah, because I'm from China, and I just want to let you know how popular Snoopy was across the Pacific back in 2000. And at that time, I don't think I followed the exact storyline of, of Penis, and I'm certainly not able to get all the nuances behind the strip. But I think at that time, I knew from deep in my heart that Snoopy was one of my favorite fictional characters. So that's why I wore that sweater. Great. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's just get started. So yeah, I'm very curious, like, how did you get the curator job at this museum? How did you come aboard? Well, um, I, uh, I've been working in museums for quite a while now. Um, I've been working in museums now almost 20 years. And um, I've been working for the Schultz Museum almost five years. So um, about five years ago now, uh, I was um, looking for a new job and um kind of trying to figure out what the next step would be for my career and i saw that the schultz museum was looking for a curator and and i've worked as a curator for many years at that point and i thought wow that would be a lot of fun and i i shared that with my wife and i said you know boy that would just be a dream come true somebody's gonna be really lucky to get that job <laughs> and she said well why not you i said well no no it wouldn't be me you know there's there are scholars who study comics and there are people who you know write about comics which I, I really hadn't at that point and I said I just you know I read it I read the strip as a kid and I've always loved the the animated cartoons on tv when I saw them and but that's it you know that's like anybody else you know um who especially anybody else who grew up in in the U.S. at the time that I did you know we we read the newspaper comics but uh I did apply and they the committee who was hiring, they really liked my writing and that I could write in um, not only as uh, a historian who's conveying information to a person visiting, but I could also uh, retain humor and um, whimsy within that text and not kill the jokes <laughs> when writing, a, when, you know, explaining a comic strip and not killing the joke that's in the comic strip is is kind of a delicate line. And mm -hmm. um, and they liked that I could do that. And so um, that was part of the reason they hired me. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, I feel you and Sparky um, share some sort of similarity there because I know both of you are from the Midwest and uh, you're both doing something artistic and creative and you both like relocate to California because of the job and you both got the humor. Do you think that's the reason they chose you? 
Yeah, awesome. I that's yeah. Wow, I didn't. Um, yes, I am from the Midwest. I uh, I grew up in Nebraska, mm-hmm. and um, and and share some similarities in my background with Sparky. So even mm-hmm. though he's closer to my grandfather's age, of course. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to know. So November twenty sixth, twenty twenty two, which is just two weeks ago, marks one hundred years since Sparky was born. So how does the museum celebrate this? Besides those regular exhibition, are there any special treats for the fans? Absolutely, yes. We have um, some wonderful exhibitions uh, going on, and uh, we also have—I forgot to have this handy. We have a new book out. Oh. Uh, Charles M. Schultz, the life of uh, the life and art and Charles Schultz and one hundred objects, and it's mm-hmm. written by by me, mm-hmm. and um, Nat Gertler also um, was a co writer who's a a known writer about peanuts and mm-hmm. about Charles Schultz, but we we used the museum's collections basically to um, to tell the story of Charles Schultz's life, mm-hmm. so it's sort of like the museum in a book. Like I said, there's there's a hundred kind of key objects that we selected. And then, um, so we'll write a bit about the objects, and then there'll be supporting images. So there's actually a few hundred uh, photographs of special objects in this book. So mm-hmm. it's really um, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I always love picture book. I will definitely get one myself. Yes, and if they if you buy them through the museum, they'll be signed mm-hmm. by Mrs. Schultz. So oh, uh, pretty special. Cool. Yeah, there must be like a enormous object database so how did you select the 100 like what is the logic in this selection yes um so once we decided to to do the book i it was an idea i had had and um we were trying to think of kind of something special we could do for the centennial and i said well what if we tell the story of sparky's life through objects which we do every day in the museum mm-hmm. So what if we do it in a book form? And um, and I said, oh, well, we could even use, you know, set it at 100 objects for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And that's a nice round number. And so once we decided that we wanted to do that, being familiar with the collections, many objects sprang to mind immediately. So I started, you know, writing everything down. Well, we have to include, you know, certain objects. I mean, just... You cannot tell the story of Charles Schultz's life without including, you know, his his drawing desk and, you know, things like that. So there were several things that were just immediately had to be included. But as we we got them together as, as a list and began to think about a book, it's like, well, it needs to be probably divided into sections. And, you know, his life can be divided into various periods you know, pretty easily. So um, we wanted to do that and make sure they were kind of evenly paced, evenly represented. But we also realized that there were parts of his life that are hard to show as a physical object, but were still very important to him. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to talk about his philanthropy, for instance, but, you know, I don't have like a checkbook or something. <laughs> so uh, it was in, it was, it was, you know, some challenges there to try to find the right object to tell the story. And then sometimes we knew the object and then would tell where does it fit in the story. So it was kind of two different directions where they came in, but it all fit together and, and we're very proud of it. 
I see. So, which object is your favorite? My favorite, I have one. Well, I have a lot actually, <laughs> <laughs> but one of my very favorites is um, is this actually. We have so in one of the Schultz biographies, it mentions that um, right after he was born, the day after he was born, mm -hmm. his father mailed a postcard um, to his to uh, his in-laws to say healthy baby boy born mm -hmm. you know everybody's doing fine just let them know and I assumed that was a story that had been collected from one of the relatives but while we were you know going deep into our archives and 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 instead of saying instead of saying I'm looking for this particular artifact going in and saying, what artifacts do we have to tell this story? So kind of a different approach. We found the record for the postcard that Carl, his father, sent to announce his birth. Mm. I did not know we had it. So sometimes you hear about, you know, discovered in the archives. Mm -hmm. This was discovered in the archives mm -hmm. while we were working on this book that we have the, the exact postcard announcing his birth and for a book that's focused on his 100th birthday it was mm. a very special object yeah. to be able to, to find and, and to share so yeah that's a favorite for me yeah I remember listening to one of your previous interview and you mentioned this collection actually yields new pressure every week so you always find new and fresh stuff from it yes <laughs> <laughs> it's a very special place because uh to to have such a rich collection mm -hmm. is even about somebody who who had lived not very not that long ago you know this mm -hmm. is all very recent history sometimes we still don't have good records even for mm -hmm. something um that's not that old really um mm -hmm. it can be surprising but here we we really they've done a beautiful job of collecting over the years yeah and also i remember sparky has this code so he said if you want to know what i'm like all you have to do is to read the strip so i'm just wondering how many strips have you gone through in order to do this curation thing oh i've i've read them all yeah i've i've read the entire body of peanuts um i sat down and did it deliberately just straight through um uh, within the first few months I was hired and then I've I've probably come close to reading them again now just mm -hmm. doing research and things um so yes I've I have read the entirety of peanuts probably wow. multiple times at this point um but no it's it's definitely uh true Schultz said yes to, to know me read you know read the strip and know me and mm -hmm. that is definitely true I mean he he poured a lot of his um a lot of his own life into the strip and not not only just um you know facts like uh his father was a barber and charlie brown's father's a barber you know things like that mm -hmm. but um his inner life as well you know his feelings his fears his worries you know he said you know charlie brown worries because i worry mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's true for all the characters you know uh he's not sometimes in those earlier days um journalists would who were interviewing him would kind of you know make the easy connection that oh he, Ch charles schultz is charlie brown mm. but the thing is, is he's actually all of the characters he is charlie brown 
but he's also Snoopy. And uh, he's also Schroeder. And he's also Lucy. So mm -hmm. those are all all part of who make him up. And um, that's why he and that's why he's able to create these characters because he's creating them out of himself. Mm -hmm. And he knows those feelings. And that's why it rings so true to us, even 20 years after his death. And even if English is not our first language, those feelings are universal. And mm. that's why it works on so many levels for so many people. Yeah, yeah. And there's one thing I like about this museum is I think um, you're allowing the viewers to see his original work up close because most of the time we're just reading comic strip in newspapers and books is usually like on a smaller scale but when you're actually being at the museum you can see that things very up close and and you can feel his original line work and how smooth and confident that is i think that is amazing yes it's it's complete it's a completely different experience mm -hmm. seeing the original artwork and that and that is why Charles Schultz eventually that was a that was part of why he agreed to have the museum be built. Mm -hmm. You know, in in the late 1990s, he has a couple of good, very good friends. Uh, one of them is even his attorney, and he says, "You know, Sparky, you know, maybe we should have a museum about about you and Peanuts um, after you're gone, and maybe that's something we should do." And and Schultz was against it very against it to begin with and um and i think you know part of that might have been you know facing your own mortality kind of thing you know sometimes we don't like to think about um those kinds of things but uh but when someone pointed out to him you know sparky people want to see the original art they should be able to see it see what you actually drew every day mm -hmm. uh not just what was printed but what you actually drew and i think that helped change his mind that 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 was a valuable experience and also that his his work was worth seeing and because mm -hmm. um, he was proud of it he was very proud of it justifiably i think yeah i'm also wondering are there any like interesting and surprising facts you found about Peanuts or Sparky himself while you were working on this project? Ooh, um, let me think. Or have you got a chance to talk to people who are actually uh, living in Santa Rosa and they know Sparky personally and they might bring up something that help you connect the dots across the collection? So for example, something that makes you realize why Sparky drew a particular piece. Oh yes, that that does that does happen. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, we're very fortunate to have um, some of his friends and um, you know professional colleagues and uh, um, yeah, a lot of connection people uh, who are still around and and mm -hmm. love to share with us their stories about him. There's even uh, one of his uh, a woman who actually lived near him a neighbor um kind of the in the latter part of his life she and her husband volunteered here at the museum so they were friends neighbors and then later volunteers here mm -hmm. and uh she shared with us a, a sunday um strip 
where she had the original art and she donated it to the museum. And Mm -hmm. it's a story. It involves Snoopy wondering why he's, he's talking to Woodstock and he's asking about some bird behavior about why do birds, you know, like quail, like run in front of cars and just run, 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 run. And then they fly when they're safe. And why do they do that? And she says, Sparky and I actually had that conversation. We were talking about the quail that live on our road. And she said, we had that conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, it shows up in the newspaper mm-hmm. and, and it's a peanut strip. And uh, we get stories like that pretty often where, uh, oh yeah, that, that actually happened. And mm-hmm. uh, uh Sparky had didn't really say anything at the time, but um, he must have been thinking about it later, and uh, mm-hmm. it went into the strip. So, yeah, yeah that that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, one thing I remember is when I I I only knew this after seeing the exhibition. So Sparky knew he was gonna be a cartoonist at a very young age. And also, his parents were extremely encouraging. They will take him to like all kinds of like um, drawing sessions or like exhibition. Yeah, I think that's why he will become such a great like creator. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he was he was an only child and um, his parents were very supportive. They, they didn't really know um, how one would become a cartoonist or or an artist of any kind um really they but they knew he was talented um that he 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 was just naturally very talented at drawing as a even as a young child with no training at all he he could mimic um mm-hmm. some of his favorite characters from from the newspaper comics at the time like uh like Mickey Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Popeye who was a, a huge favorite of his and they knew he was talented, uh, but they didn't know how to how one does that, you know, professionally. You know, mm-hmm. his father was a barber, and that was one of the only it was pretty much the only job he really ever had. Um, his his mother uh, ran the household at home, so you know, the, and they didn't they didn't know people like that, and uh, they they were pretty you know kind of blue collar people really. Mm-hmm. So when they saw an opportunity um, to to expose him to to those kinds of things, they would they would take it and uh, try to make it work. And like the correspondence course that he did in high school to learn more about art, and mm-hmm. um, they they would encourage him to do those things, even though they didn't weren't even sure how to pay for it um, or if they could. Uh, so well, we'll figure it out eventually, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, took a leap of faith with that, which was pretty admirable. I see, yeah. So you've been digging into various parts of this month's career in life. So what do you think uh, he teach you about like ours and life in general? That's a very good question. Um, yes, I do spend a lot of time thinking about Charles Schultz and his life. And I have learned yeah. some things for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he found the right balance with with between art and craft and how um you know he he definitely understood that inspiration was part of it but showing up every day at the drawing board is another important part Mm. and um that these two things kind of need to work together and and can work together but you you need to put in the work to do it Mm -hmm. and 
and it's amazing how creative you can be when when you do show up and and do that so he he used those routines and daily practices to kind of fuel his art it, it's really very interesting and I, it's something i'm i've i have learned and i'm i'm always learning more from him yeah yeah i feel it's pretty amazing if someone does something for like 50 years and I, I wish I could do something for 50 years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you have your whole life ahead of you. I mean, you can do something for 50 years. Still. Yeah. yeah, I will try. Yeah. And also at the museum or like the, the architecture around you can actually see his like movement past every day when he was alive. So he will went to the same cafe and having his cup of coffee and then went to the studio and um, thinking about what he's gonna like draw for the following day and went to the same cafe for his sandwich and went back to work again. Yeah, so you, you kind of like feel that routine while being at the museum. Yeah, yeah, and I, I find that inspirational. I mean, it may seem mundane, but it's kind of inspirational in how it's mundane, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so what is your personal connection to penis? Were you a big penis fan? Um, you know, I, I was. Uh, if someone asked me if I liked peanuts, I'd be, I'd say absolutely mm -hmm. yes. And um, but I, I, I didn't have like um, I didn't have like everything Snoopy, you know, in my in my my room, you know, or, mm -hmm. or only Snoopy clothing or anything like that. Yeah. No, but um. But no, I, I loved reading the comics in the newspapers and um, always read Peanuts, always read um, the little Peanuts paperbacks, you know, uh, I, I think we had a couple at home and then we had a lot of books in my house growing up. So um, we had some of those and um, we also had uh, one of these too, the um, what the Young Pillars, we had one of these even, mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, which is kind of a one that people don't know about but um so yeah no i i loved his work and um i also had the uh the set of books the uh charlie brown cyclopedia set hmm. which were these large hardcover books that were kind of like basic science and maybe a little history set of books that my grandmother would send so yeah that was yeah those those the stuff i had oh i had a snoopy snow cone machine too but I, I, I think i broke it like immediately so <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah 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 we had we had a few things mm -hmm. so who is your favorite penis character and what is his or her greatest quote you think oh i love them all uh that's hard mm -hmm. to say uh it's, yeah. it's usually whoever i'm i'm spending the most time with um mm -hmm. you know in my exhibition uh development work I will often spend a lot of time with a particular character mm -hmm. um, reading strips about, you know, reading huge amounts of their of strips about a particular character and and I always become very fond of whichever one I'm I'm working with the most. So it's hard to say uh, a favorite quote. I don't think I have one <laughs> from, <laughs> from the characters. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't I can't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have a favorite. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't have a favorite, but I I I do love all the characters and and mm-hmm. and they are all they're also unique you know and uh they add add so much um with their contributions so it's yeah it's yeah but uh, yeah the most quotable to me might might be linus though uh mm. he, he has some really great lines which usually make me laugh so yeah he usually says some pretty deep things right he does and you know he yeah, he does. <laughs> He'll say some deep things. He'll say things he just he's he's kind of living in his own world mentally sometimes mm. and and um and I understand that. I get that. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think your pick says something about you. So maybe you're similar to him. Yeah, I sometimes. I am, I am yeah. sometimes. I have a lot of lightness in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so many people grew up with peanuts and I think they love it even more after becoming adults. And also, I know peanuts have been read in so many different countries and languages. So what do you think makes peanuts so popular and timeless? What is the thing that transcends cultures and generations? Well, I think it's because Charles Schultz would, um, you know, he wrote about these things that were so universal. And he wrote about them in a very personal way. He didn't try to write to everyone everywhere for all time. He he focused on what he knew to be true through his experience and his own feelings. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, being specific made it universal because we all feel these feelings. We all have experienced something similar. Yeah. And um and he was unafraid to do that he some of his strips can be very you know melancholy and uh and that's not that normal uh for comic strips especially before peanuts after peanuts we get it a little bit more with with some comics but um but he he did it in a very unique way and uh, i think a lot of readers the world over can identify with that and um and appreciate it yeah, and I also remember another podcast host, he mentions uh, Sparky is doing more with less. Uh, you really see that beautiful simplicity in his drawing. And and I remember seeing a tutorial at the museum teaching you how to draw Charlie Brown just with, with a few strokes. And yeah, it turns out it's that simple. And yeah, I think that Sim- sim- simplicity is also like part of its charm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree entirely. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been involved in like other celebra- celebration events this year besides the exhibition and your new book? Oh, um, yes, we, we've, we've already have done m- most of it, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and certainly everything I'll be involved in. But yes, we, we did a um some special panels and things uh we had one at comic con this year um down in san diego uh we had we hosted a special event here with a panel of cartoonists and myself recently um and that was with uh stefan pastis who draws pearls before swine uh kathy geiswhite who drew kathy and mm-hmm. um rob armstrong who draws jumpstart and uh patrick mcdonald who draws mutts Mm-hmm. So the four of them and myself had a conversation um, at the museum with an, with an audience <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, had a very, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And um, 
we I think we still have some other visiting cartoonists coming on uh, in the next few months and um, um, some other folks, which you can find on our website, schultzmuseum.org. Mm -hmm. You can go to our calendar of events and you'll see all kinds of stuff coming up that people can participate in and see who some of our special guests are. And if there's a favorite author or cartoonist, maybe you want to be sure to be here when they're here. Yeah, thank you for sharing, sharing time with us. I think it's such a great job getting people exposed to such a great comic work. And I, I highly recommend a visit to the Charles Schwartz Museum. And if you cannot make it, check out their website or Benjamin's new book. And I know, Benjamin, you're also active on Twitter and blog, right? That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can find me uh, on Twitter, BL Clark, mm -hmm. um, or any other social media platform you choose to use. Uh, I'm, I'm like a lot of people, I'm exploring Twitter alternatives. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm now on all the others, Mastodon, Post, uh, whatever, anything, anything you name it, I'm, I could probably be found. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So you'll know where to find him. Yeah. So I just have one last word for all of you who are listening to this episode right now. I hope you'll find the thing that entertains you, delights you, and informs you all your life. So it could be Snoopy, it could be Penis, it could also be something else. All right. Thank you so much. This was very this was a very nice conversation. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for listening. If you like our episodes, subscribe to Dedicated on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to follow us on socials, you can find us at DedicatedFM on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to contact us, our email is DedicatedFM2022 at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy.